The Pro Act Know How. Hi, welcome to this live webinar. Uh, we're a few minutes late, and that's because I've got a clock that doesn't uh, quite work uh, well enough. Um, <clears throat> but welcome today, and uh, to join us, where we're going to look at the implication of, of uh, medical cover for expats living and working abroad. Um, it, it's a thorny subject and often when you're in a, a contract in the Middle East, you might be very focused on uh, private medical cover, providing for all your needs. In uh, an EU environment, it can be slightly different where you have um, a social and state cover, which can provide you with the care that, that you need. But when you're relocating abroad, um, and, and living abroad uh, for a temporary or longer period of time, what are the issues that are involved for you, and how is that going to impact you when you're when you're living and working abroad? So those are the issues that we're looking at uh, today uh, in this live webinar. So sorry for the fractured start. Welcome to this live webinar. Uh, today, we're, we're looking at medical cover for expats living and working abroad. Um, we're also on Twitter space, where you can join us and ask us questions on there and go and listen back to that later on. And after the uh, event today, we'll, we'll be hosting a few more questions there. Uh, but what we'll do is we'll start off with our uh, living and working abroad um, for uh, uh, webinar. So we're looking at uh, three things today. We're going to look at uh, a preview of, of how um, uh, state medical benefits can impact the decisions and the choices and the requirements for expats living and working abroad. We're also going to look at what how somebody qualifies for the NHS. So for UK uh, citizens, uh, you know, then they're used to uh, qualifying for the NHS. But what happens when they go expat or what happens when somebody relocates to the UK? What is their NHS entitlement? And when you're work, working abroad, what does that mean? How, how are you going to be covered? And what are and the tax and the, the qualifications for you and for your family? And then how it works. Um, We've recently, in our, our recent webinars, we've covered uh, issues around paying national insurance to qualify for, for state pension. If you're an expat and you're paying UK voluntary contributions uh, for state pension entitlement, it doesn't qualify you for anything else. But if you're a short-term working abroad and you're paying class two national insurance, you're actually entitled to some additional allowances and benefits as well. But looking at here, uh, specifically from the UK, is a qualification for the NHS and that medical cover. And we want to juxtaposition that against the EU. Now, each EU country or each health service in, in any uh, country around the world has got different rules, different requirements, and that's going to make it like a, for a different decision. So we start today, we're looking at the, the, the four subjects we, we've discussed, and then we're going to roll that out and look at uh, some broader issues in the coming weeks. So don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel uh, to stay in touch uh, for expats 
not just living abroad, but working abroad in the UK, in the EU and around the world uh, to find out how we can do. So if you've got any questions, you can leave them, uh, type them during this live webinar and, and we will answer them. So uh, let's, let's move on to the next stage. Uh, the UK has got uh, a social insurance agreement with uh, the EU and EEA. Um, it should be as simple as that, but it never is. But it, it, in essence, there is a social insurance agreement between the UK, the EU and the EEA countries. That includes the EU, plus includes countries like Liechtenstein, Iceland and Norway um, and Switzerland. Uh, but each of them is slightly different, so it gives different criteria. And the pre and post Brexit rules have different criteria as well. Uh, outside the UK, there's a limited amount of cover. So there's some social insurance agreement, but not necessarily for the, for the healthcare. So these are the issues that you need to consider. So an expat needs to consider what the scope of any private medical insurance that they require while they're in the UK is. Vis-a-vis uh, -vis what the state is. But similarly, if you're going to live and work abroad in the EU, it's a different set of criteria than considering going to work outside the EU, such as the Middle East, Asia, America, or South America. Um, your residency is also a factor in this about what cover that you're going to get. And not just if you're paying the social insurance in that country, but with what are the benefits and the allowances that you qualify. So we've said before that you could be paying uh, class three voluntary contributions, but you don't entitle you to any, any benefits. You could be paying social insurance in, in another country where you're working temporarily, but you don't necessarily qualify for allowances or benefits, or they're significantly different uh, to what you might expect in your home country. So those are the issues that we're covering here today uh, uh, in, in, in this webinar. So watch on and subscribe uh, to keep in touch with what we're doing. When an expat gets a resident permit in another country, it gives them a right of residency, but it's not the same as a permanent residency. So a permanent residency under international law, as well as EU law, um, after five or more years, qualifying for that status gives you the equivalent of citizens' rights in that country without necessarily having a passport or a right to vote. Um, and therefore, you should be able to get um, uh, equivalent medical cover for, for that period. So, it's, you know, if you've got permanent residency, your healthcare needs accommodated. Um, but on the shorter-term residency permit, that, that is not necessarily the, the, the case. And uh, it, again, different countries may make different requirements. So for example, in Cyprus, in the EU, the medical cover is available, uh, but the, the residency permit requirements uh, requires you to have repatriation as part of your, your uh, national insurance because it's not part of the social or healthcare system uh, within Cyprus. And so it does require an element of um, uh, private medical cover for, for expats. So where you live is, is, is of essence to the decisions that you need and the cover that you need for your family, for your business, for your employees. 
Uh, so it's not where you're from, it, it, it's where you're working uh, as well that impacts on, on these decisions. So for more information guidance, contact us. We offer a free review as an introduction to our services where we can uh, give you more information or you can subscribe as a retained client and can start advising you straight away and giving you credit towards uh, further advice and returns later on. So um, now I want to, uh, <clears throat> the next part of the webinar, we're going to look into more detail about uh, what qualifies you for NHS treatment. Um, so a, a UK resident would say, well, I'm qualified for the NHS. And that's generally correct. But there is actually a, a definition that you need to consider and meet. And so for expats that have been living abroad, working abroad, or for new expats relocating into the UK, um, the, the, the extra specific criteria qualification the NHS um, can be a factor and, and the, the qualification criteria is based upon the same criteria that the HMRC have to say that you're ordinary, ordinarily resident in the UK. So if you're ordinarily resident in the UK, you qualify for the NHS. If you're a British citizen with a British passport, uh, then you clearly you have the right to be resident in that country and, and therefore you can uh, normally uh, qualify for NHS. However, ordinarily re resident means that you must have a regular lifestyle and be settled in the UK. Uh, so if you've got a, a citizenship, but you're not living in the UK, it's not necessarily going to entitle you to the NHS treatment. You've got to also normally live in the UK to be deemed to be ordinarily residents. So what is your mode of life and your lifestyle? So if, you're, if you've got a UK base, but most of your time is spent abroad, um, then uh, you, you're not necessarily going to be defined as ordinarily resident. So even a British citizen that's been living and working abroad could be deemed to be not ordinarily resident and therefore not qualified for NHS treatment. Okay. Now, specifically, uh, NHS treatment would exclude short stays. So if you've got the right to visit the UK for a short stay between uh, one day and uh, three months, uh, the 90 day short stay rules, then potentially you could get the primary free uh, uh, NHS treatment in the UK, but not the secondary level of treatment. So we'll look at that in a bit more detail later on. So short stay trips, um, even for non-EU citizens, as well as EU citizens, does give some access to NHS cover. So um, if you're UK citizen, but you're resident abroad, then, and you're not ordinarily resident in the UK, then you will not qualify for, for NHS treatment. But when you visit on a short stay, you will qualify and be able to get the primary treatment at the GP, but not the not more complicated treatment later on. So let's have a look in, in, in more detail um, about uh, what happens when an expat, a UK expat, starts to work abroad? How does that impact uh, uh, what, what their status is? 
Um, if you start working abroad, then clearly you can be no longer be ordinarily resident. Uh, you, having said that, you can be working in the UK and working in a second country as well. So if you've got a job in, in Switzerland and a job in the UK, you can still be ordinarily resident in the UK, but special rules would apply, uh, not just for your social insurance, but also for your, for, for your medical country. But it's on a country by country basis. Um, uh, and, and, and that will uh, have a, an impact on what the decision and what your level of cover is. So contact us at productpartnership.com for more information and guidance. You may need to pay social insurance. You may need to pay national insurance in one or more country. And, and, and that depends. Um, so the, there's a system of transferring um, uh, social insurance between two countries, um, which, which, which you can consider and, and can be adopted. And, 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 um, but you need to decide whether you need that uh, certification to be able to qualify for the healthcare back in the UK or in another country. So if you're working up to two years on a short-term contract abroad, um, then you need to consider what action you need to take to retain your residence and your liability to full NHS cover in the UK and whether you need to be paying class two or class three uh, national insurance in the UK or whether your employer will continue to pay it in the UK or abroad. Another factor to consider is that to qualify uh, in, for UK NHS treatment as being ordinarily resident, if you're not a British citizen, then you must have either settled status or pre-settled status or uh, leave to remain or indefinite leave to remain. So um, uh, the settled status specifically refers to uh, EU expats that were living and working abroad in the UK before Brexit and had their resident permits covered under the withdrawal treaty. So the pre-settled status needs to be confirmed with settled status after five years. So settled status is equivalent to a permanent residency, but that will not disappear and be uh, time limited in terms of requiring you to be in the country at a certain time. Uh, so uh, upgrading your pre-settled to settled status would be important for UK expat living and working abroad in the UK. Um, and, and, and that would qualify somebody from the EU to live and work and qualify for NHS treatment in the UK. The leave to remain is for uh, uh, EU expats post-Brexit or for EU expat, uh, expats from around the world looking to live and work in the UK. So initially they would need a leave to remain, uh, which can become an indefinite leave to remain, a permanent residency after five years. So those, those are required to be ordinarily resident if you're not a British citizen. So if you're not a British citizen, you need to have a settled uh, or a leave to remain status uh, that's valid to be deemed to be ordinarily resident and qualified for medical cover in the UK. For more help and guidance on your residency and your tax residency, contact us at privatepartnership.com. Fantastic website. Go and find out some more. Moving on. Uh, so let's have a look uh, specifically at what the NHS means in the UK. 
um, the uh, UK has got a reciprocal social insurance healthcare agreement with the EU and the EEA. That includes the EU countries as well as Liechtenstein, Iceland, uh, Norway, uh, and also added on to this all the time is Switzerland, because Switzerland are a bit different to the UK, they're a bit different to the EEA countries. Um, and, and they provide reciprocal healthcare solutions. So the EU issue uh, an EHIC and a European Health Insurance Card, EHIC, um, and any, any EU expat or um, from anybody with the EEA, so uh, Switzerland, Norway, Liechtenstein, Iceland would issue these as well. Uh, living and working in the UK can use that to get themselves access to primary and secondary NHS cover uh, while, while they're in the UK. So um, generally, bear in mind that the, the, the secondary cover, you need to be deemed to be ordinarily resident in the UK. Um, but if, if you're traveling uh, in your short stay rules, the HIC card will cover you in the UK for NHS benefits. Now, when the UK left the EU, the reciprocal agreement with the EU for health uh, care and national insurance was, was maintained or updated post-Brexit. Um, but the UK is not part of the EX system, so they've created their own, but it's exactly the same, except it's now called the GBHIC, the, the, the British Health Insurance Card. So you need to get one of those if you're a British citizen, if you're going to work and travel short term in the EU uh, uh, and uh, EAA countries that, that, that you want to potentially have your family, employees and your business covered by uh, uh, medical cover in those countries. But again, it's designed for the short trips. The, the UK uh, GB card, health insurance, works in other countries where the UK have got a reciprocal agreement um, for, for social insurance and healthcare. Um, and and, and they work for short stay rules. So if you're going up, uh, if you're regularly traveling between the two countries, if you're working in more than one location, especially in the EU, you should have your GB HIC card or, or your EHIC, your, your health insurance card, for the U, for your European or your British health insurance card, so that when you're traveling between your two work locations or your two living locations, you can be ensured that you're you're covered and you get in state medical cover on a reciprocal basis uh, for those two jurisdictions. Longer term stay requires different requirements, and there's two two ways to look at it. So first of all, let's look at people that are, are living and working abroad, uh, but on a relatively short period of time for two or three years. Um, there's, you can get an, an S1 from your home country, which allows you to travel um, and, and sorry, allows you to transfer your healthcare into your new country of residence. So if you don't meet uh, your home country, whether that's NHS in the UK or, or your home country's in the EU country, but if the, if you don't get that healthcare uh, there because you're not ordinarily resident and you want to transfer your residency to another jurisdiction, 
then you would get an S1 form that could permanently transfer your healthcare because you're living and working abroad, either as a retired pensioner or as a short-term two-year working contract. Uh, it may be that the the, the cover that you the certification that you're looking for will be covered under an S2 or, or a provisional replacement certificate, but that will give you the cover that you needed to go to your new country of residence and entitle you to potentially state benefits there. That is not a requirement of national insurance or social insurance. It, it is a requirement of whether you qualify for healthcare. Um, and, and, and therefore, it's a, a slightly different set of rules, but they are connected. What you must have to be able to use an S1 or an S2 uh, uh, to transfer is a right of residency in your new home country. So if you're working, if you're traveling on short trips to work in a second country, uh, but you're not required to register for healthcare and you haven't got a permanent home there, you don't mean the residency requirements there, then you won't be able to have the residency permit and the entitlement to local state healthcare there, in which case you fall back on the health insurance card, be that British or European. So if you're, if you're long stay uh, working abroad, uh, you need your resident permit to be in place to be able to implement uh, a transfer of your healthcare entitlement using an S1 and S2 or provisional replacement certificate. For more information and guidance, this is what Proact do. We look after your tax residence and your residency uh, permits uh, when you're relocating overseas uh, and working ab abroad. So contact us at proactpartnership.com and subscribe and, and tell all your friends. Thank you very much. Um, if you're living and working abroad on a longer term basis, or even if you're working abroad on a short term basis uh, 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 within the two years, it could be uh, that you need to register and work and pay social insurance in that other country. So normally you only need to pay national insurance in one country, but you may be required to pay in more than one country. And the rules are different uh, depending upon what the circumstances are. So generally here, we're talking about EU, uh, European uh, economic area countries in Switzerland, and there's slightly different rules. Uh, the NHS can, can allow you to have cover for um, primary cover on short stay trips, but if you've moved permanently, you want access to secondary cover as well, then you need to be, be clear because if there's a requirement for national health, then what you need to do is have your employment or your business registered in your country of residence. Um, if you're an employee, the responsibility for national insurance contribution uh, is yours and it is, uh, it's incumbent upon you to provide for the employee so the employer to provide the national insurance contribution payments for the employee for the country in which they tax resident, whether that's the UK or whether it's any other country abroad. So if you have a, an employee that uh, you're a UK based business and your employee is working in another jurisdiction um, and, and in that jurisdiction for them to live and work, they're required to pay national insurance, then that is the employer's requirement to do that. 
and you may need to require uh, to register a branch in that location. You may need to change your, your your employee's contract to a contractor to be to enable them to register as a sole trader in that country, or you may need to use a employer of record to uh, cover the the local uh, social insurance provisions. Um, and uh, again, those, those types of issues are things that we cover uh, in Proact, and you can contact us for more information and guidance on that. Uh, short stay rules can give you short term cover, but they're not going to give you cover in the long term. So contact us at ProactPartnership.com if you're not sure if your employer has, has got you covered or if your family is going to be covered or when you live and work abroad, what you need. You may need private medical cover. You may be able to get access to, to health cover in the UK or, or abroad. So the UK NHS does offer some free cover um, around primary cover as long as you're on a short stay trip or legally resident in the UK. What we're going to look at in the coming weeks is, is the rules um, of residency rules to get healthcare in different EU countries and, and what the residency permit requirements are in various countries uh, uh, that, that would determine whether you need a, a private medical or, or what type of insurances that you need um, as, as a UK resident. We'll also take a deeper dive to look at what the NHS does cover as opposed to what it doesn't cover under primary and secondary cover. So it's a complex area. Um, you may need a resident permit. You may need a, a tax registration. You may need to be paying national insurance or social insurance in the country in which you're living and working abroad. You may need to pay it in more than one country if you're working in more than one country. And it depends. In the UK, it depends upon where you're ordinarily resident to qualify for NHS. And if you're not, how can you get that, that cover? You, you can't get NHS cover if you're not ordinarily resident. Therefore, you need to consider what you need to do to get state health care, if that's your requirement, in the country in which you are working and tax resident, or uh, you need to make sure you've got private ins uh, insurance cover in place to cover you for those eventualities. Uh, it is quite complex. Join us in this series in the coming weeks uh, as we cover the different issues for the different countries. Uh, thanks very much for listening, and we'll see you again next time. Don't forget to subscribe before you finish uh, and share. I don't mind if you share it on any social media platform you like, but tell others and, and join uh, the, the group of people living and working abroad. The Pro Act Know How, brought to you by Pro Act.